So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us apply that word to our lives and be led by it. We ask this in your name, Jesus, amen. Well, good to see all of you here at 945. I want to welcome those of you who will be watching the 11 o'clock service uh, here in the community center. Thank you for joining us, our middle schoolers, high schoolers. Awesome to have all of you guys here. Uh, I recently saw a social media post from a woman who told her six-year-old daughter that she was taking a parenting class to learn how to be a better mom. Well, the next day, the daughter was throwing a fit because she didn't get her way on something. And the daughter yelled, you told me you were taking a class to make you a better mom. Well, it's not working. (laughs) We're doing a sermon series on things that take a long time. And one of those things is our own growth, our transformation, us growing spiritually, emotionally, socially, becoming a better mom or dad, a braver person, more compassionate, more joyful. There is no app for that. It just takes time and the Holy Spirit. But that desire to grow, it is in all of us. We all want to kind of grow. That's why self-help books are so popular That's why magazine covers say things like, have more strength and power, secrets to success, and all of that. And do you know how long it took me to find church-appropriate magazine covers? (laughs) Like, seriously, almost as long as the sermon took. And they promise quick transformation, right? But nothing worth anything is just one click away. These things take time, and I hate that. And maybe you do too, because I want my transformation, and I want it right now. And maybe, you know, you're like me, I sometimes think, oh man, how long am I going to keep making the same mistake over and over? How long will I have these flaws? How long till my soul gets it right? But Jesus promises this, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. The theological word for that is sanctification. The Bible's word for that is discipleship. Right? The, the, the process of becoming braver, more compassionate, more joyful. In other words, the process of becoming like Jesus, discipleship. The last thing Jesus said before he left, go make disciples of all nations, right? It's it's a famous verse, you know, known as the great suggestion, right? (laughs) He didn't say go make church attenders. He didn't say go make committee members, disciples. And a disciple simply means learner, someone who is learning from Jesus how to be like Jesus, And some of you right now might be thinking, oh man, he's going to tell me I'm not praying enough or serving enough. It's going to be like a eat your broccoli kind of a sermon. And I don't think so. I actually think discipleship is this amazing, exciting promise that we become who deep down we really, really want to be. Braver, more joyful, a deep sense of fulfillment. I've told you before that my dad at 82 years old is doing all kinds of things like tutoring kids and leading a Bible study in a prison and all of that. And as some of you know, a couple weeks ago, he had a stroke. And thank you. You guys have been great. We have so appreciated your prayers. Uh, And it looks like he's he's making a good recovery. So, you know, it looks pretty good. But he hasn't been able to see his guys in the jail for a couple of weeks. And whenever he talks about them, he gets tears in his eyes because that's how much they mean to him. Jesus, he's a disciple. Jesus has led him to this rich, fulfilling life. My dad has so much life in him. And I think that's part of the reason, that's part of what's helping him make a speedy recovery. Jesus promises us a changed life, a new beginning, but it just takes time because there is no such thing as sanctification. So here's a definition of discipleship. Discipleship, that is becoming like Jesus, is a journey with Jesus, with no maps, where we become more than we think we are, experience more than seems possible, and bring life to others. That's a long sentence. 
So let me break it down phrase at a time using the text we just read. Becoming like Jesus is a journey. Jesus says to his disciples two words, follow me. That is, we're going somewhere. Follow me, right? We're going on a journey, uh, which means we don't stay where we are. Jesus loves us just as we are, not as we should be, but he does not leave us where he found us. It's a journey with Jesus. In this story, the disciples say to Jesus, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and, I will show, and you will see. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. That is, Jesus deliberately finds Philip. He seeks him out. We are sought after people. We are found people. It's a relationship. And Jesus say, says, come and see. I can't explain it. You got to experience it yourself. It's a relationship. And this makes Jesus different, really radical for his time, because back then the Greeks, the Romans, the Jews, they all had rabbis, they all had teachers, but none of them said, follow me. They said, follow this philosophy, or follow these principles, or follow this good advice. But only Jesus said, follow me. It's a relationship. And the reason is because philosophies and religion doesn't change us. Relationship changes us. Anyone who is dated knows this to be true, right? Because you start to take on some of the vocabulary, the mannerisms of the person you're dating. Pastor Wayne Cordero says he loves sports, except for two. There's two he can't stand. And the first one is bowling, and I am so with him on that one. Right? Like you take this cannonball and throw it on a perfectly decent marble, uh, maple floor, right? And it keeps coming back over and over again, and at the end, they charge you for all of the frustration, right? The other one he didn't like is roller skating, around and around and around, right? Very boring. Well, on the first date he had with his wife, he went to her house and said, well, what do you want to do tonight? And she said, do you like bowling? And she picked up her own bowling ball. And he said, well, I was in love. So I said, yes, I love bowling. Right? And so they went, and he actually enjoyed it, right? The next date, he picked her up and said, what do you want to do tonight? And she picked up her own roller skates and said, do you want to go roller skating? And he said, I have been waiting months for someone to ask me to go skating. And he went, he had a great time. And he says, what made it so that I actually started to enjoy those things? Did I have to try really hard to enjoy those two things? He said, no. It was my relationship with her. She liked them, so I liked them. The power to change is in your relationship with Christ. So often I think, oh my gosh, if I just try harder, I mean, this isn't working, and I keep making this, I just need to try harder. And Jesus says, no, don't try harder, come closer. Don't try harder, come closer. And the more you know Jesus, the more you're going to become like Jesus. Now that said, part of changing is doing what Jesus tells us to do, right? And, but not out of guilt, not out of obligation, not out of duty, but because we know he loves us and his commands are meant to help us thrive and grow. Just like athletes do what their coach says because they know their coach cares about them and wants them to know the joy of running faster, jumping higher, and all of that. His commands are not meant to nag us. I read a, a story about an efficiency expert who ended one of his lectures saying to the audience, just don't try these efficiency techniques at home. And someone said, well, why not? And he said, well, a couple weeks ago, I, I watched my wife make breakfast, and, and she made lots of trips to the refrigerator, to the stove, to the table, with just one item in her hand. So I said, honey, it, it would be more efficient if you carry several things at once. And the person said, well, did it save time? And the expert said, yes, it did. It used to take her 20 minutes to make breakfast. Now I do it in seven. <laughs> Jesus' commands are not there to just nag you. 
They're not just arbitrarily there to ruin your life. They're meant to help you be everything he created you to be. Jesus says, I have a vision for your glory, to heal you, to heal those wounds, to set you free from behaviors that diminish you, to make you everything I imagined when I created you. It is a journey in relationship with Jesus. Next phrase, without maps. The disciples say to Jesus, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. What an irritating answer. Right? Like, I would want definitely more info than that. Like, okay, what's it going to be like, Jesus? Are we staying at the Four Seasons or Motel 6? Because I really need to know. Those little chocolates on the pillow, that's pretty important to me. Do you ever ask questions like that? Jesus, if I do what you say to do, what's it going to be like? Will it ruin my life or will I find a deeper joy? You know, what does Jesus say? What does he say? He says, come and see. Can't explain it. It's like the colors of the Grand Canyon. You've got to experience it. No maps. It's about following those nudges the Holy Spirit gives us to do certain things, trusting that on the other side of obedience is life and joy and meaning and purpose. And I'll give you an example in a minute. A journey with Jesus, with no maps, where we become more than we think we are. In this text, Andrew brought his brother Simon to meet Jesus. And it says, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter which means rock. But if you know the Bible stories, Peter was anything but a rock, right? He was impetuous. He was impulsive, easily swayed by other people's opinions, anything but a rock. But re Jesus renamed him not for what he was, but for what by God's grace he would become. The leader of the church that launched a revival that continues to this day. He becomes more than he ever thought he could be. And again, this desire is in all of us to be more than we think we are. As I've shared with you a couple of times, back in March, I was a guest preacher in Amarillo, Texas. And I got to say, it was one of my favorite guest preacher gigs ever because the people were so awesome, but also because it provided so many sermon illustrations. And the first night, they took me to this restaurant called The Big Texan. Okay, like you know you are in West Texas when, right? cow statues everywhere, right? And, and, and on the menu, they have a 72-ounce steak, right? Like, you know, not your normal 8 or 12, but 72 ounces. And if you order it, you sit on a stage in front of everyone else, and if you can eat all 72 ounces plus a baked potato with all of the fixings in under an hour, you win a prize. Nobody knows what it is because everyone's died in the attempt. But should you survive, there's a prize. Why would someone eat a 72-ounce steak for the glory, right, the fame? There's something in us that wants to be more than we think we are, and Jesus is the one who will make it so in your life and in mine. And that's what's so hopeful about this text. It, 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 the people Jesus picks as his disciples are just ordinary people, ordinary people, but Jesus made them extraordinary. In another place, Jesus says to Peter and the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. That is, Jesus takes who Peter is and what he does, he's a fisherman, and redirects it for eternal purposes. Jesus takes who you are, your gifts, your skills, your talent, your job, your school, everything, uses it for his purposes. If you're a planner, he will use that for eternal ends. If you're a people person, he'll use that. Um, he does, and he doesn't make you like someone else because he doesn't want Xerox copies. What he does is he makes you your best you. 
I have a team of people that every Thursday morning hear the sermon and then give suggestions of how it could be improved and, and critique it. One of the guys in that group, by his own admission, he says, My spirit, I have the spiritual gift of criticism. <laughs> Jesus found the perfect spot for him, right? Like, come hear the pastor's sermon and criticize it, right? Like, it's a real, and he, his input is always so valuable. He's been with me the whole time. A journey with Jesus, with no maps, where we become more than we think we are and experience more than we think is possible. Later in this text, it says that after Jesus found Philip, Philip went and found a guy named Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. See, Nazareth was basically this kind of podunk town uh, in the middle of nowhere, which is why Nathaniel says that. But you know, Coming from Eastern Washington, I'm a little sensitive about this <laughs> comment, right? Like, because I grew up in Richland, a, a town which on the surface seems to have very few redeeming qualities, but if you just dig a little deeper, you discover it actually has none. <laughs> For you fellow Eastern Washington, I'm all my teasing of Eastern Washington is all born out of love, honestly. What Nathaniel is getting at here is nothing as extraordinary as the Messiah could come from something as ordinary as Nazareth but not when Jesus is on the move. And that's what's so hopeful about this story. It's ordinary, no burning bushes, no oceans get parted. Just a couple of ordinary guys spending the day with Jesus. That's what being a disciple is, following Jesus in the daily parts of life. And the way you engage that is just to keep praying. You know, if you added up all the time and all the events in the Bible of Jesus and his disciples, you'd come up with like two weeks of stuff, right? But they were together three years. What were they doing the rest of the time? Ordinary things, walking from town to town, cooking, telling jokes, right? See, that, what part of our life does God use to transform us? Every part, every part. And the way you engage that is just pray frequently. God, I am headed into a meeting right now. Show me the, an opportunity to bring your healing here. Jesus, I am in a coffee shop. What do you want to teach me here? Right? Jesus, I'm stuck in traffic, and I know you do not, do not want me to die of a stress-induced heart attack on 520, so help me calm down and see what you're doing in this moment. A bad grade on a test, success on, in sports, an argument with a friend. Everything is a tool in God's hands to shape you and transform you. A journey with Jesus with no maps, where we become more than we think we are, experience more than seems possible, and finally bring life to others. In this text, whenever anyone meets Jesus, they run off and they go bring someone else to Jesus. Andrew brings Simon, Philip brings Nathaniel, so that they can be transformed by Jesus. See, when we follow Jesus, we will be part of bringing his life to other people, all of which helps us experience more than we thought was possible which is kind of how this story ends. We didn't read it, but toward the end, it says in this text, it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael, he said, here is an Israelite who, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said, well, how do you know me? They've never met. How do you know this about me, Jesus? Some people say it was supernatural insight. Others, he could just read body language really well, right? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And then Jesus says, you believe because I saw you under a fig tree? Right? I, I like that. Like, serious, dude? That's all it takes for you? Right? That's it? Right? Jesus says, you will see greater things than this. You will see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet because when Jesus is on the move, everything is possible. I am making all things new, he says, including you. 
Now again, all that takes time, right? It takes time. And, and it's a journey, and on journeys there are misdirections, there are detours, there are, there, are, there are wrong turns. We will screw up, but that is just an opportunity to experience God's grace and transformation. And the goal is not perfection, it's movement in the right direction. Not perfection, movement in the right direction. Right now, some of you might be thinking, I don't know, Dudley, I've tried. I've tried, nothing's gonna change. I can't, I can't beat this bad habit. I can't, I can't, I can't change. Nothing's ever going to, let alone help bring change to other people. Uh-uh. Never done it. Not going to happen. Okay. What if a baby determined their potential by their past? Right? Well, I've never walked. I've never talked. Yes, I'm going to just be a baby the rest of my life, right? But a baby knows his destiny is not taken from his past, but from what his parents can do. I don't have much, but my father does. And I'm okay tapping into the power, his power, to transform. So let me give you your homework, okay? A couple of things, two things. First, to help all of us grow this week, engage the essential six. The essential six practices that help us become like Jesus. Worship, where God's word is taught and we can connect at a heart level. That's why we have music. Prayer, especially where we listen for those thoughts that might come from God. Scripture, which is how we know what God wants us to do. And if you need help understanding the Bible, our library has tons of resources. They would be glad to help. Community, to cheer us on when we're doing the right thing. Serving, because when we serve, it connects us to Jesus and we see him move through us. And giving, one of the best ways to prove to yourself that God exists is to sacrificially give and watch him provide for your needs and show you that you can be happy on less than you thought you needed. The essential six that help us grow and get close to God. And then second, ask Jesus to show you the opportunities you have to, to grow this week and then follow the nudges that he gives you and you will become more than you think you are and experience more than you think is possible. Let me tell you a story. Many of you know Alexis, who is from Rwanda. Some of you have met him. He's the pastor of the Rwandan church that meets in our upper campus on Sunday mornings. In fact, I preached there uh, just last week. And, and if Alexis is in the house, you know it, because he will yell, Alleluia, or Amen, really, really loud. He was doing it over there at nine in the sanctuary, and the, he got the place rocking, right? He's just, it's, it's infectious, and, it, and it's so great when he does that, because it gives the rest of us permission to, you know, like, have emotions and stuff like that. And in his teens, he started a school for orphans in Rwanda, and that eventually led to some issues with the government, so he had to come here as a refugee. And he and I meet frequently so that, in his words, I can mentor him. <laughs> I find that very funny. It's so the other way around. Well, a few weeks ago, a friend asked Alexis to drive him to a house in Federal Way where a, where a man whose mom had just died lived. And Alexis's mom has also recently died. When Alexis got to the house, the Holy Spirit just nudged him to go into this house instead of just drop his friend off and go back home, which is what he had planned to do because his family was waiting for him to come home for dinner. So he called his wife and said, I think this is what God is nudging me toward. She said, go for it. So he went inside and there was a party and, 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 and people were drinking and smoking and dancing, a lot of loud music. And Alexis spent about an hour just talking to people, building relationships, getting to know him, not preaching at him, right? And after about an hour, he asked if he could say something. And by then, they knew him, so they said, sure, okay. So Alexis stood up and said to the man, who, man whose mom had died, I want to offer my condolences. My mom has just died, so I know how painful that is. But then he said, I also want to say that though I have lost my mom, I have not lost my hope. And here's why. 
And he went on to talk about Jesus and the resurrection. And some people put their drinks down and started to listen, but others were getting mad. One guy had a bottle in his hand, like ready to just clock Alexis. And people were saying like, who is this guy? And why is he talking about Jesus? And you know, buzzkill, this kind of ruins a party, right? And they, but Alexis just kept asking the Holy Spirit to give him the right words. And pretty soon everyone was listening, including angry man with the bottle who had sat down and by this time was transfixed. And they started to say, you know, I feel hopeless because I've had so many drug charges. Or I feel hopeless because of this family problem. And, and how do we get this hope you're talking about? And where is your church? And can we come to your church, right? And then Alexis asked if he could pray. And pretty soon a line formed and for an hour and a half, Alexis prayed for each one of them. And afterwards, they put the booze away, and, and they, just, they just sat and talked and shared life. The next week, six of those people, including the man whose mom had died, came to his church here in our upper campus. And, 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 and they said, I feel so much better. One man said, who would have thought following Jesus could be so enjoyable, so much fun? Okay, he's a, Alexis is a disciple, right? Like, he, he, he goes to a party in Federal Way and starts a revival, right? Aren't you glad I'm there to mentor him? Like, seriously, I am learning so much from him about what it means to be a disciple. And when Alexis told me that story, at the end, he smiled and he said, I like the Holy Spirit. He is a good guy. And I said, you're having fun, aren't you? And he said, oh, very much fun. Now, the point is not that you have to go start a revival somewhere. And some of you right now are thinking, good, you know, because I don't want to do that. Really? Really you don't? Do you see how free Alexis is? How much joy he has in spite of having lost his mom and having to be a refugee? I mean, does that look like an unhappy man to you? Right? And, don't, and don't you see all the power that is working his life to change his life, to change other people's lives? And don't be thinking, well, he's from Africa and it's different in that culture, it's easier. No, turns out it's just as hard there as here. What you see is a man fully alive in Jesus and there is nothing more powerful, nothing more attractive than that. Alexis went on a journey with Jesus to Federal Way to drop off a friend with no maps, following the nudges of the Holy Spirit, and he became more than just a ride for his friend. He brought hope to the hopeless. And oh, by the way, guys, Alexis is the speaker this year for the men's retreat, so you're going to want to be there, all right? Now, your story's not going to be identical to Alexis's, but God will transform you. God will work through you to transform others. You will become more than you think you are, and you will experience more than seems possible if you stick with Jesus. See, that's what a disciple is. A disciple isn't some uptight, prim, prissy, pale, proper, prudy, Presbyterian preacher. <laughs> a disciple is fully alive, fully free, full of joy and changes the world. And that's what Jesus is making you and me. And he will not stop. He will not rest. He will not give up because he has begun a good work in you. And that he refers to none other than Jesus himself, Lord of all creation. And he is stubborn. He is stubborn. So he began a good work in you and he will, oh yes, he will carry it to completion and you will be made brand new. So Jesus, thank you for that good news and help us to lean into it and follow you with no maps so that you can transform us. Jesus, have your way in our life and we will be grateful people in your name. Amen.